So we keep on keeping on. Hey humans, I'm Norma Jean, and welcome to Stay Wild, the podcast about how to keep your quirks in the wondrous world. This is episode number 31, and we're talking to Tori Press, who's better known as Revelatory, who's an inspirational artist. Most of her work is viewable on Instagram, at Revelatory, and we really dig into the creative process, putting yourself out there, and letting go of expectations about having a quote-unquote normal path. It's an amazing episode, and her journey is really inspiring. As usual, if you're liking the podcast, please subscribe. Follow us, subscribe, write us a review in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you're feeling like coming to Bali, if you're feeling the Bali vibes from the music or the rice fields or any of the ambient sounds, come join us for Camp Clarity. You can check out all the details and the upcoming dates in February and April at www.joincampclarity.com. And here we go. All right, humans, we're here today with Tori Press. Hi, Tori. Hi. Tori is an artist and better known as Revelatory on Instagram, on her website, where she draws amazing, inspired cartoons. Cartoons or drawings? What do you what do you call them? I, I usually say drawings, but cartoons is fine. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I draw yeah. cartoons, so I feel like I have all these cartoon yeah. friends, yeah. even if they draw. <laughs> so we've been following each other for quite a while on the gram. And your feed is constantly fresh and you're always putting out new relatable drawings about being a human, being a human, which is all about uh, what we're about in Stay Wild. So tell us a little bit about how you started drawing the drawings and where you get your inspiration from. Yeah, sure. Um, So I started drawing um, in... 2016 at the very end of 2016 so at the time I had been working on um I had been working as a freelance graphic designer for about 10 years um and I was realizing um in that fall that I was just kind of over it you know it really was not feeding my soul anymore I was doing the work but I was kind of going through the motions I just no longer felt the kind of passion working for my clients that I used to after 10 years in the business and so um, at the time, also, I had um, my kids were, were younger. I have two kids. They're five and eight now. And uh, I was homeschooling my older daughter. And I felt really torn between homeschooling and running my freelance graphic design business. Um, so one of the things had to go. It was just too much for me. And, and the design business, as hard as it was to leave, was the sort of obvious choice. Um, so I shut down shop. I walked away from it in um, December, early December of 2016. And it took me about two weeks before I was like, you know what, my life is not quite right when I don't have some kind of creative outlet when I'm not working on creating something Mm. a little bit every day. Yeah, um, it was just there was clearly a void in my life. And so uh, it was Christmas that year. And just as a gift to myself, I bought myself a a, uh, pad of paper, like a sketch pad and a pack of Sharpies. And I just started to draw. And I had no intention. It was just, it was a personal project, but I had a couple things that I posted on Instagram, um, on my personal Instagram. People loved it. I had some good feedback. I decided to, to start um, my own account just for my art. And it just kind of snowballed from there. When um, you asked about how I get my inspiration, um, I like to tell people that I think about the most uncomfortable, like yuckiest part of myself that I don't really want to think about or face. And mm-hmm. I draw that. 
<laughs> that's often the case. Amazing, amazing. And a lot <laughs> of your cartoons really showcase that vulnerability, right? That vulnerable, you know, sticky, soft flesh part of ourselves that is the most human, I believe, you know, because yeah. when we embrace it, we become, you know, we become stronger for it. We become our strongest selves. Um, and you're one of the few people who draws actual on, I think, pen and paper or Sharpie on paper. Yeah, I do. I actually, I moved on from Sharpies. I had to experiment a little bit, but that's all, that's part of the process to figure out what really works Absolutely. for me. And I use, yeah. yeah, I draw everything in pencil. I erase it 75 times before I'm happy with it because I'm very much a perfectionist. Um, and then, yeah, I, I ink it in and I use watercolor actually. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. When I was drawing the car, I drew my cartoons for two years, I think before I got an iPad pro and it definitely changed when I got the iPad pro, but I went through so many different kinds of notebooks, so many different kinds of pens and I finally found the perfect pen and then I, and then I got an iPad. So yeah, I'm a little, (laughs) I'm a little bit that way. I'm a little OCD and I'm always like, I love to go to Blick and just wander um, and, uh, just, just, just pick out anything that calls to me yes. and, and I've, I've spent a lot of money that way, but also discovered a lot of things that way. So, yeah, art stores are like the target for artists. You just go in there and you're like, I'm just going to buy one thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then, it's and then you leave later. and you're like, how am I going to pay my rent? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amazing. Well, you're originally from Atlanta. Yes. And you moved to Los Angeles. So were you yes. drawing the cartoons before then? Yeah. No, I, I started drawing. I moved to L.A. in 2014 mm. uh, for my husband's job. I was kind of dragged here kicking and screaming. I really did not want to leave Atlanta. I had no intention of living and raising my kids anywhere else. Um, but it was the right move for his career. And I thought I can try anything for a couple of years. Um, and I, I had a rough first year here in L.A., but uh, after probably about yeah, 12 to 18 months, I really fell in love with the city. And um, it's a really magical, wonderful place. And it is, I, I would not go back to Atlanta at this point, I think, even given the opportunity. I just really love it here. Wow, that's amazing. I'm from LA. I will not live there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I hear a lot of people say like negative things about LA, but I, I, it's just, to me, you can drive 20 minutes and be at the beach. You can drive 20 minutes and be in the mountains. It's overpopulated, but it's just really wonderful. It's a city where you can kind of be anybody you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. And how has the move affected your drawing? I mean, I think, you know, Atlanta and and LA have some similar stuff, but they definitely have different (laughs) vibes, right? So how has the the coming out to LA um, affected um, your themes and your drawing and um, how you produce? Yeah, well, actually, I wasn't really doing a lot of drawing. I wasn't doing a lot of art when I was in Atlanta. I was still working on my, you know, graphic design business. Um, So I really, and it's funny because LA, the imagery, the scenery in LA, it's just kind of something that's very much gotten into my blood. And that percolates a lot of different art that I do. Um, I never kind of had that in Atlanta. I've lived in Chicago, too. And I didn't experience that in that city either. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's something about LA has has kind of made it into my system and into my art. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm looking at your cartoons and they're so like California sunshine. You know, whenever <laughs> yeah. I see Tori's cartoons, you know, they literally come up on my feed and it's like this burst of color and joy and inclusiveness, you know, like we're all in it together. We're all humaning, um, which is really beautiful. Um, 
back to what you said about Chicago, you actually were studying in Chicago, right? You, you were on a different path. Talk a little yes. bit about that. Yeah, I've been on a few different paths in my life. I started out as a vertebrate paleontologist. I got my degree, my undergraduate degree is in geology. Um, that and is so cool. I the nerd part of me is like, oh my God, that's so cool. When you say vertebrate, still, when you say vertebrate paleontology, do you mean like the spines of dinosaurs? Yeah, um, just there's vertebrate paleontology, which is any animals, vertebrates, animals with a backbone. Um, so I was actually not looking at dinosaurs. I was studying fossil fish and I was looking at the transition of the earliest fish that kind of crawled out on land and became the first amphibians. Um, and I was trying to figure out what environmental factors might have made that happen. And that was kind of my project in grad school. Um, but I'm a grad school dropout. So I graduated with my geology degree from UGA. I went to the university of Chicago to get my PhD um, I tried that for a couple years and I just realized that as much as I loved what I was studying, a life of academia was just not really for me. Mm. Um, it, there's a lot of sacrifices you have to make in that life and it, it just, it really wasn't calling to me. It wasn't what I wanted. So I dropped out. That's um, so amazing. With my because master's so many, degree. Well, so many people, you know, they're, they, they get down that path and they're like, well, I'm here. I have no other options. You know, I've invested yeah. so much. And, and that's really where the opportunity cost of the rest of your life comes in, right? Like you've already it's spent true. that time. And yeah. I, I mean, you got further than I did. I, I, I was going to go to law school. I ended up going to Bali for a couple months before law school and stayed and, and never went. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's having that stability is so um, known to yeah. most people, right? To society in general, to the world. And, and we see what that path looks like, right? But when you're like, oh, right. I'm going to leave my PhD program, you know, when I'm studying vertebrate paleontology. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to like, what did you do after that? You became a graphic designer, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you're like, yeah, I'm going to start things, my own right? graphic design firm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's fabulous. And I like what inside you um, inspired you to do that? Well, you know, it's so funny because at the time, it really was one of the hardest decisions I'd ever made. I was young, so I went right from college. I did my undergraduate degree. I went right from college into grad school, mm. and I thought that, you know, this was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, and being young and kind of impetuous, like, I just hadn't really stopped to consider all the angles and consider... You know, I did, I interviewed all of my college professors and asked them how they like their job. And of course they like their job because they're college professors. They went on to study and, you know, to like achieve the highest degree in their field. Um, I didn't talk to anybody who might've had a hard time in grad school. Um, and, you know, I read an article once a long time ago and it said that, you know, grad school is like cotillion for eggheads. And it's true. I love that. Because, That's very well, interesting. Well, it's just... Like kind of the point of grad school is to beat you down intellectually and kind of remake you, um, you know, in the mold of whatever um, the school's tradition is or your advisor's tradition. Like it's hard and it's it's intended to be really difficult. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't love the work and I didn't love the field and I didn't love research enough to go through that. You know, I just realized like there's going to be a cost to this yeah. and and, and like you said, you know, there's, there's already a sunk cost. The time that I've already spent is a sunk cost. It's not worth going through and pushing through and making myself miserable for another. I mean, I was three years into my program and I could have gone on for another two, three, four years. Um, 
you know, to get my degree. And it just wasn't worth that. Um, I realized it's a big wide world and I don't have to decide. I don't have to stick with the decision I made when I was 22 years old. Right. Like I'm not beholden to that decision, no matter how far I've come along. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to stick with the decision I made when I was 22 years old. Because how many of us do that? And, and who were we at 22? I mean, I was like, yeah, lost cause. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I just, I think there's so much knowledge and there's so much context that we kind of gain along the way. And there's so much that we learn about ourselves and, you know, it's okay. I think that it, it felt at the time, I mean, honestly, I compare, I've never been divorced, um, but it felt to me like getting a divorce. Like this was some commitment that I had made that I thought was going to be a lifelong commitment. Mm. And I felt like, oh man, I'm really failing. Like I'm doing awful. Um, you know, this is, this is a shameful thing to be dropping out of grad school and, and abandoning this kind of whole plan that I had made for my life. But if I hadn't done it, um, I don't know. I don't even know what kind of person I would be. I would be really miserably unhappy. Um, so I think you have to be able to look at your life and say, you know, um, don't, don't just stick with something because you made a commitment because you thought, you know, you got to, as you gain more information, as you gain more knowledge and see what something is really like, um, you got to be willing to say, okay, wait, you know, maybe this isn't the right thing for me. Um, and it was brave. I was not, I wouldn't have thought, called myself a brave person at 22, but I sure was, you know, to, to make that decision and walk away. Absolutely. And, you yeah. know, I think it's that once we've invested so much in something, you know, yeah. there's that feeling that we have to use it, right? Or it has to provide yeah. further right. value. And sometimes right. it can just tell us what we don't want to do. And I was worried about letting other people down, you know, oh, my parents are going to be so disappointed in me. My advisor is going to be so disappointed in me. The university has made a financial investment in me. They're going to be so disappointed and angry. And, you know, that kind of, that doesn't matter. What matters is my own happiness. And I'm the only one who can kind of look out for that, right? Like that's my job. Absolutely. And I think a lot of us forget that. It's so easy to forget, even on the day to day. You know, yeah, I think it is. in terms of a lot of people I know who have gratitude meditation um, practices, daily gratitude, it's so important because that happiness and that joy and that self-fulfillment has to come from within. And yet we're taught, I think, by everything and everyone around us that it that that's not where it comes from. Yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. So it's Chicago true. to graphic design to Atlanta, mm-hmm. to LA, and somewhere along the line there, yoga came in. Yes. Yeah. So my yoga practice, um, I had my first child in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, and she actually, her birthday is tomorrow. Oh. Um, it won't be tomorrow by the time this podcast is released, but her birthday is July 26th. And um, we, uh, I, I had a terrible time after she was born. I had postpartum depression. Um And, you know, I really, I I needed help. I needed to kind of seek treatment and I did that. And one of the things that, that came out of that was the realization that I really wasn't taking time as a new mom and generally the entire, you know, however many years of my life before she was born, um, I hadn't been taking time for self care. I hadn't been taking time for myself. Um, so, you know, I, I had a really hard time with that for a few months Um, I thankfully was able to get treatment. I got help. Um, and I kind of came out of it, but one of the coping mechanisms or one of the, you know, things that I was recommended to do was to start exercising. I'd never exercised at all, like my whole life really. Um, 
Wow. So I thought, well, yoga. Yeah, I, I had asthma as a kid. Okay. And I just was kind of out of, you know, I never, I never did yeah, anything. I, wasn't I would get sick. Either. It was hard for me. Yeah. yeah. I was just it took never me an as an adult. Kid. Yeah. As an adult, I also had to like seek that out. It's harder yeah. when you aren't taught to yeah. move your body as a practice when you're young, you know, like brushing right. your teeth or whatever. You know, I think I know a lot of people who grew up with families who emphasized moving your body and how important it right. is. And, you know, I feel like it's less challenging, maybe. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember being in my like early to mid twenties and I had a doctor appointment. He asked if I exercised and I said, no, I said, it's so miserable. I don't even care if I am not extending my life by however many years, like it's just, it's not worth it. It's just so miserable. I will never do it. And, um, those were my famous last words because I kind of, you know, and part of it was that I had this little baby at home and, and I was overwhelmed and I needed to take some time for myself and my local YMCA had free childcare and I was like, you know what, I'm going to put my, you know, she was probably like 10 months old, 11 months old at the time. And I said, I'll put my baby in childcare. She's old enough for me to separate from her and I'll go and take a yoga class and just see what it's about. Like, this is kind of a form of movement that's always interested me. And it doesn't seem like weight training or running or like heavy duty cardio was very intimidating to me at the time. So I thought I'd try out yoga. Um, and I really fell in love. It didn't take me very long at all to realize that, um, you know, it's just, it's the physical practice, it's the exercise, it's good for your body, but it's yoga was the only time that I could really go somewhere. And my mind would just stop chattering at me for a good 60, 75, 90 minutes, however long the class was. And that was amazing. I mean, that was like, that was a revelation for me. Um, to really be able to find a practice that I could do that could kind of shut off the anxiety um, and quiet the mind. And that's that's really what, what made me fall in love with practice and stick with it for many years. Absolutely. And what kind of yoga do you practice? So um, for a really long time, I just practiced Hatha yoga, just regular old Hatha yoga. When I moved to L.A., I got into um, more of a stronger power vinyasa style of yoga Um and I was really diving pretty deep and doing a lot of arm balances, handstands, um, just really trying to explore my practice. I found that the harder I worked, the more I could quiet my mind. So that was really my driving, um, you know, force there. Um, but unfortunately, about a year ago, I, I actually have, um, I have hypermobile joints and I didn't take very good care of them. I practiced um, maybe with more ego than I should have. And I was always trying to push my body to do like the newest, coolest thing. And I, um, I never felt any pain in my joints, but I did do some repeated overstretching. So I had to take a break from the practice. I had a labral tear in my hip and a torn meniscus in my knee. So I, it was a very humbling experience. Um, you know, I had to take a break for the better part of a year um, and learn to do some different things. I do weightlifting now. So I do a lot of strength training, which has been so helpful for my joints. And I'm just now getting to a point where I can kind of ease back into a regular yoga practice. And, Mm. um, I'm trying to do that, but definitely not this kind of crazy, um, strong vinyasa that I've been doing. I have to take it really easy. Um, And so that's kind of a new adventure, new exploration, like new styles of yoga to, um, to explore. 
Absolutely. And people do not talk about yoga injuries. We've had some, no. some really well-known yoga teachers come on the podcast and, you know, there's a lot of different philosophies out there and, and a lot of different, um, ways to practice. And, you know, in terms of that really yang, powerful, almost aerobic kind of yoga, mm-hmm. there are injuries and people do yep. not talk. Like I know people that literally have like torn their hamstring in a downward dog from trying to shove their heel down on the floor. And I'm like, that's oh not yoga, you know? And so yeah. it's, it's really one of those things where it's so important to talk about, um, the reality of doing that kind of practice and, and the stress that it puts on your body. Yeah. And I love the practice. Like I was so, I was devastated when I got these injuries, but honestly, they themselves were a great teacher to me. Um, it was my yoga injuries that made me take a step back and really step up my meditation and my mindfulness practice, which has been really huge in my life for the past 18 months. Um, and has really helped me gain a lot of new insights. I mean, like half of my drawing ideas, anything that you see that, that is on my Instagram came to me during a meditation. Um, so, you know, it's, it's got its pros and cons and, and I feel grateful that, you know, I really was able to recognize, I think I attribute to the yoga practice that I was paying enough attention to my body to say, you know, my hip is really sore after class and not in a, you know, good, I just had a good stretch kind of way. Like something's not right here. And I really was able to stop, recognize that and back off, um, before I did a lot of damage. And, you know, I'm very lucky. I don't have to have surgery. Um, I can work on strengthening and, um, treat my injury that way without having to, you know, I, I've heard of some people who have to go under the knife to, to fix their injuries and, yeah. and I'm really grateful that I'm not there. Yeah. Yeah. Labral tears are actually, for those of you humans who are kind of talking about it, it's, um, who, who are trying to understand it's your hip joint. Yeah. Um, and it's, it happens a lot, I think, with ballet dancers. It's yes. like a ballet dancer thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, yeah. they, they turn their feet out. Uh, and yeah. it really is incredibly painful, I've heard. So that's, yeah, yeah woof. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of med- meditation, you know, I love what you said because a lot of your drawings really seem to come from that place of stillness and acceptance of seeing those parts of ourselves that we we really don't want to see sometimes. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. So h- how has yoga and meditation not just helped you center your life, but how has it helped you develop your art? Um, so, you know, it's, gosh, that's a really good question. And that's a really like deep and kind of personal question. I feel like most, like my art is just kind of a process of, all I'm doing with it really is trying to make sense of whatever it is that I'm going through in my life. I have had anxiety my entire life and I really didn't address it. I didn't uh, ever pay attention to it or notice it for what it was or try to accept it, which is, you know, a huge part of what my art is about is self-acceptance and, you know, recognizing that, Hey, this is, this is how I am and it's okay. Um, so it's kind of like, there were a lot of things like that. Anxiety is a good example. My time with postpartum depression is another really good example, um, that I almost looked away from and didn't want to acknowledge and didn't want to think about or talk about, you know, I just thought, well, I'll just pull myself up from this, 
you know, by my bootstraps. When I moved to LA, I had a really hard time. I was depressed. You know, I had a situational depression thing going on. I was uprooted from my home, Atlanta, where I had all my friends and family Mm. with a three and a half year old child and an eight month old child. And, you know, I just thought, well, if I'm a strong person, if I'm a really good person, I can power through this. I can make it through. And, you know, I'm going to just find my feet and I don't need anybody's help. And that was my attitude. And that that was like kind of my attitude, my prevailing attitude for a lot of hardships and difficulties that I came across in my life um, in all, all my years. And the yoga and meditation practice has really softened me. It's helped me to acknowledge, like instead of trying to push a negative feeling or a negative experience or emotion away from me or just try to say, well, I'm going to get past this and I'm not going to acknowledge it. Like, man, it's okay. If you're feeling sad, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling angry, feel it. That's fine. That's part of being a person. And you can accept that. You can look at it, you know, dig it up, look at it, sit with it for a little while. And, and it's only then that you can let it go. And I think that, you know, for a lot of my life, I really thought that I was pushing past hardships or, um, you know, negative aspects of my personality, things, parts of myself that I wasn't comfortable with. I really thought that I could kind of get past those by burying them, ignoring them, pretending they're not there. And all that does is just, it festers, right? Like it just festers. Um, so I'm really grateful for the yoga and meditation practice for kind of giving me this ability and habit to, um, look at myself, all of myself, the parts that I like, the parts that I don't like, um, and accept it all and draw about it all. And, and the, the amazing thing about making drawings about some of this stuff is like other people come out of the woodwork and they're like, Oh my gosh, me too. I thought I was the only one. And my reaction is like, I thought I was the only one. This is amazing. Um, So it's a great connector in that way, too. Absolutely. Um, And I always say this, you know, sometimes the art we make is for ourselves and it's not supposed to be seen or experienced by anyone else. Sometimes it's for ourselves and others um, that we know or we may share it with. And sometimes it's for people that we may never know. Right. We may never know that that person who maybe sees our photo doesn't even like it, doesn't even comment, um, but is profoundly moved by that art yeah. yeah I really like that yeah well you know because there's a lot of pressure we put when you create things yeah um, and I love yes. what you said about having a creative process um what is your creative process like when you're drawing um what are your creative conditions so I really prefer to have a quiet house, which with the two small children is not always possible for me. Um, but it's I really goal. love to have, yeah. <laughs> it is a goal. It's a goal. It's a goal. And you know what? My youngest is starting kindergarten in the fall. So I'm going to have two kids in school. And so I'm, you know, it, it'll be maybe a more attainable goal at that time. Um, but you know, I, I love to be by myself. I put on a little music. Um, I actually start my creative time usually, um, by writing some morning pages. Have you heard of this? Have you heard of oh, the book, yeah. The Artist Way? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, the so Artist anybody, Way, Julia yes, Cameron. What up? She's the bomb. She's the bomb. I just started doing this within the last few months, and it's just been absolutely amazing. And the stuff that comes up when I'm doing my morning pages is wild. Like, I have ended more morning pages sessions, like crying or thinking about some old memory that I haven't thought about in years, mm. like than I care to admit. It's crazy. Absolutely. Um, and so, sorry, really quickly so, for those humans listening, yeah. the artist way is, I think it's a six week 
um, book. It's a book, but it takes you six weeks to get through. There's daily exercises, weekly exercises, and it's all about embracing and teaching you how to connect with your inner artist and really move forward in an empowered way as an artist. Yes. And like kind of the premise of the book is that, you know, creativity is you're almost a conduit for like the creative power in the universe, right? Um, Absolutely. So when you're creating, and this is very true for me, like I will sit down to draw something and I have an an idea in mind of what I want to do and something else entirely different is kind of what comes out. I cannot even tell you how true that is. Oh my gosh. (laughs) When I'm drawing my cartoons, I literally will just sit there. Sometimes I'll have like notes of a couple I want to make, but I'll just sit there and I'll draw 10 cartoons sometimes because the universe is like, and this needs to be drawn and this needs to be drawn and you're drawing this and yep. Yep. And the yep. words just start flowing and you're like, yep. I, okay. All right. It, it's just, it's coming out and it's like, I'm not actually in control of this process. And the morning pages that, um, that, that are recommended, it's one of the, like, it's the primary exercise really recommended in the artist way is like every day, sit down with a blank note. I keep a notebook for the purpose. I keep it in a special place and I sit down and write three pages longhand. It's like a front, a back and a front again of a page. And, um, it's just stream of consciousness, consciousness. It's whatever comes out, you know, whatever is going through my mind gets written down on the page and I'm not self-censoring. I'm not thinking about what I'm writing. I'm not trying to make it perfect. I'm just writing. And it's really wild. The things that will come out of me during those times in those pages. And it's, it's great practice. It's great for, I mean, that, that's what drawing is all about, right? Is just sitting down and, and being the conduit, letting the message kind of come through the universe and onto my page. And, uh, I, I, you know, it's like the more that I work on these morning pages, the more prolifically I'm drawing. And it's funny because, um, I don't post everything to Instagram. I've been doing more and more stuff that's just for me. Um, and that feels really good too. I really want to share things with the world, but it's also been really freeing for me to just draw for myself without worrying about like, how is this going to be received? Who, what, what will people think about this? Will people understand it? Does this make sense outside of my own head? Mm. Um, yeah, absolutely. So that's a huge part of my process. And I want to come back to the creative conditions a little bit, but I love what you say about sharing and the vulnerability of art. Um, and that was kind of what I wanted to segue into next because when, I mean, we both draw, I draw cartoons, you draw beautiful yogi flower, amazing illustrations. <laughs> I think also there's a vulnerability of putting yourself out there and you kind of have to say, what the fuck, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. There's this moment where you're like, well, I drew this, you know, and, and for a while I kind of classified art into two categories. It was, you know, like you're in kindergarten and you made something, but you ate half the jar of paste while you made it. <laughs> and, uh, and I used to call that paste eater art. And then there's, you know, art that actually has value. And so I'd say, you know, right. is, this, is this paste eater or is this real? And then I realized there is no paste eater art. No. It's no. all one. And right. any kind of expression, um, you know, it has its own value. It has its own merit. And like I was saying, sometimes it, it may not have that much value to us, but to other people, they're like, oh my God, this is my jam. 
Um, I mean, how many of my cartoons, how many of your your illustrations have you put up being like, oh yeah, this one's okay. And then everyone's like, oh my God. That's the wildest thing, right? Like probably totally. the most popular cartoon that I've ever done, the most popular drawing I've ever done, or at least, you know, in terms of its reception on Instagram was like something that I, I had drawn it and I just sat on it for like three months. Cause I was like, this is not any good. Right. This is, and this is mediocre. And then, yeah. This is just like me. And it would, yeah, it's really strange and you never know what people are going to relate to. And that's kind of the point, right? That's why you're this conduit and that's why you have to be brave. And I, I'm, I'm, you got to share, like I'm, I'm working on, um, being a little braver about sharing everything that I do. Um, because you never know what, what's going to actually touch somebody and what's going to reach a person. Um, you know, it might not seem like much to me, but uh, I've been very surprised, very, very, very surprised by um, what pieces are uh, like really the mo- that speak the most to people. And it's not what I would guess. No. Yeah. It's the exact same for me. I'm like, well, you know, this is kind of nice. I'll, you know, I need a right. cartoon for today because I yeah. did a thousand every I did one every day for a thousand days. I've kind of oh, wow. cooled off a little bit, but yeah, I was a little bit of a drill sergeant about that. So, you know, some are kind of like, eh, you know, and I thought, <laughs> okay, well, you know, this will be a bit of a dud. And then everyone's like, oh my gosh, this is my cartoon. And I'm like, okay, great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is really, really amazing. Um, and in terms of that success, right, what does success look like to you uh, from a creative standpoint? Because, you know, oh, that, that is success, right? When other people, <laughs> when other people are like, that's my jam. And you're like, okay, that came out of me. Um, yeah. What does success generally look like? And, and what do you strive for in terms of that feeling of um, bringing forth value into the world? You know, it's, it's funny because I've thought so much about that. And I don't have a definition for success, either in real life or in art. Um, you know, you want to define, like, I think the easiest answer is to say, well, something that's successful is something that reaches a lot of people and that a lot of people like. And, you know, yeah, sure. You can, you can look and Instagram is really, honestly, it, it, it's pretty actually vicious this way that you can get on. And, and if you're and for a little while, I was, you know, you get on and you're, you're looking at your numbers and oh, how many people like this post versus this post versus this, but it's an easy thing to do when Instagram is like spitting concrete numbers out at you. Right. Um, yeah, the age of but, social media but, has not helped yeah, us it, detach. <laughs> yeah, it sure doesn't, especially not if you're an anxious person, especially not if you're a perfectionist, right? But um, I don't think that success has anything to do with any number, whether it's your salary or your number of Instagram followers or your likes or what have you. Um, you know, for me, like the real moments where I feel like something was a success is I get personal messages from people. You know, I've got personal messages from people saying, and, and I don't respond to every single comment that I get, but like somebody saying, man, this was exactly the right message that I needed to read at the right time. Like that feels like success to me. Um, it feels like success is about making a human connection, right? Like success means that I have actually said something that had a meaning for somebody else. And um, that somebody else has felt, somebody else that doesn't know me, doesn't know what I look like, you know, we wouldn't recognize each other if we pass on the street, but we have this human commonality. Um, we have this connection and I'm, I'm seen and understood by you and you are seen and understood by me. Um, and that's like, that's the real, I mean, that's like the goosebump moment. Um, 
on Instagram Absolutely. or social media or whatever. I mean, that's, that's like what it's all about. It's all about, you know, it's absolutely. Like, and I'm going to ask you something and this might sound a little bit weird. <clears throat> Sometimes. Yeah, no, be weird. <laughs> this is stay wild. We're a little bit weird. Um, <laughs> I'm weird too. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Pack of weirdos. So, um, <laughs> when you're posting, right. Cause I usually I'll have a couple of different options and then usually I kind of feel like one is the right one intuitively. And then mm-hmm. when I, when I do that, when I post that way, usually I will get more of those. This is exactly yes. what I needed to hear today. Comments. Yes. 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 I have like probably a backlog of four or five different drawings at any point that I've like kind of already taken a photo of and, you know, cropped it and whatever, and it's ready to go on Instagram. And every once in a while, you know, I'm like, Oh, I haven't posted in a while. I'll just, I'll pick. And and it's always an intuitive process. And yeah, it's really strange how that works. Um, that is that I've had that, that very same experience. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's not every time. Sometimes I'll be, no. you know, I'll be like, oh my gosh, when I was doing the one a day for a thousand days, it was like, eh, what am I going to draw today? Is today the day I dropped the ball? You know, and then something would always come, which is really a, a testament to the creative process and, and showing up, which is, is super important. But, yeah. um, you know, on those days where you have a couple of options and one just says, no, 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 me, this is it. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be today's cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting what, what comes through. Yes. And that's definitely, I've had, I've had that experience and it is, it's like, there, there are times when I sit and I struggle and I'm like, Oh, I don't know what I'm going to draw about today. And what, what's going to, you know, like I'm sitting here thinking, thinking, thinking of an idea and sometimes they don't come. And sometimes I just sit down and something comes out of me. And I mean, those are the real magical moments. And I've had to learn to kind of give myself some space. Like I put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, for a while I was making a drawing every day. I am amazed that you were able to continue it for a thousand days. Like I don't even know how I did that. I don't like literally, (laughs) 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 but, but I mean, you know, I, and I've tried, I've tried, but I've had to say like, I've got to back off because I can't force myself to be creative. Like Mm. something's got to come something, you know, so I think, I think there's something to be said for truly showing up every day and making the effort every day. But I try to give myself a little bit of forgiveness and don't put the pressure on myself to actually come up with something and ink it in and watercolor it in and, you know, get it all done. And there's days, I mean, my life is busy. Um, everybody's life is busy, but you know, mine is, there are certain uninterruptible, like, parts of my life. I have kids. If they need something, I have have to to care for my kids. You have to feed them every day, a couple of times. They need to eat. Unfortunately, yeah, they're always coming to me and they got to be driven places. They got to go to school. You know, so some days are better than others. Some days I'm able to like have that really glorious, delicious, like three to four hours of uninterrupted time to really get into that state of flow. And, you know, some days I'm not. So I have to, I have to let that all be. I have to, um, you know, not, I, I used to beat myself up about it, right? If I couldn't get, get and sit and have that magical moment and man, you can't force it. You just have to kind of let it show up when it's ready for you. And when it is, there it is. Absolutely. And so back to the creative conditions, you do the morning pages. Yeah. Um, and in terms, I, I always feel like creativity is this balance of showing up and creating the conditions for inspiration, right? Whether it's yep. uh, attuning your body, doing yoga, doing meditation, dancing, exercising, 
you know, eating certain foods. Sometimes if I'm in a, if I'm in a climate that's a little bit cooler right now, I'm in a very hot Southern Indian climate, but if I'm in a cooler climate, I'll, I have to wear these special fuzzy socks because they help. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like they help. They're no, like I a conduit that. for creativity. Yeah. So do yeah. you have, do you have any like weird, fun, creative conditions? Um, you know, I really like to listen to music and the type of music that I listen to is really pretty crazy. I mean, I listen to a, like a wide variety. The one thing that it has in common is it can't have lyrics. If I'm listening to something with words, then my, my like left brain wants to cling on to the words, right? And then the right brain kind of can't come out and play. Totally. It's that like left analytical, like verbal brain that, that, that wants to listen to lyrical music. So, um, I listen to a lot of classical music. I play classical piano. Um, I listen to Fish is my favorite band. I'm actually seeing them on tour a few times this summer. Um, and they play a lot of like extemporaneous jams um, that, that are lyricless. So I listen to a lot of that. Um, I have a special spot in my house that I like to sit in. I have a wonderful desk that I had custom made and it's just painted in beautiful colors and it's made of reclaimed wood. So um I don't really care if I draw on it by accident or that sounds you know, get magical. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. It's beautiful. And it's like, it's, it's already so imperfect that it's, it's just, it's a perfect place for creating. Um, yeah. Um, I like to have a cup of tea. Um, but really it's just kind of about, I like to do a meditation beforehand usually. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of about having that peace and quiet and that magic of just, me and my dog hanging out in the house, um, listening to music and drawing. Absolutely. That's amazing. No, I think for a lot of people, that's, it's similar. Um, and I love what you said about having music without lyrics because yeah. I always find that lyrics are incredibly distracting and I, I write they songs. Are. So, <laughs> you know, when you're, when you're listening to other things, they, they come into your, into your flow. And if I'm, right. if I'm listening to like a, like a TV show or Netflix or a podcast or music that has words, sometimes when I'm writing out the words in my cartoon, I will write the word that I'm hearing. Right. Uh, and then you're like, wait, no, <laughs> Yeah. which is really kind of interesting. Um, yeah, that's incredible. And I, I think also, you know, in terms of in terms of having a creative process, there are similarities that we all have, but then there are differences, right? Like you have that amazing desk. And I think it's also important as an artist, also as a woman, to claim space. Yes. Um, so whether it's, you know, like this is my special notebook that I do my morning pages in, or this is my desk, you know, where I can really, this is mine and whatever happens here, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, I, I get to have full reign over it. I think it's so important. Um, and in terms of the ideas that you have for your drawings, do you get them before your, your drawing or after? Like sometimes do they come when the pen or pencil hits the paper or do they come beforehand? You make a quick note, like a, like a scribble or you write it down or in your notes. Yeah. They, I mean, it kind of happens both ways actually. Um, so I've been in a new practice lately just because I am trying to, draw a little every day. 
Um, so I actually will get ideas frequently from my morning pages. Um, so, so part of my process right now is to, when I have the amount of time, which, which is summertime lately, my kids have been out of school, so I haven't had the chance lately, but to sit down, do my morning pages and then find some kind of snippet, something that came out of me in those pages and make a quick drawing about it. Mm. And that's often, those are often the pieces that I might not show the world. It might just be something that only makes sense in my own head. Um, but it's kind of the thing that gets me started, right? And just sort of starts to get those creative juices flowing. Um, and then I have, uh, I just, I always have uh, my a paper. I love a pen and paper notebook. I'm just an old fashioned person. It's funny because I did digital art. I did graphic design for 10 years. And I just have no connection to anything that's done on a computer at all. And even when I um, have an idea, I'd like to jot it. If I, if I have nothing else, I'll jot it down on my phone. But I keep a notebook. I carry a notebook with me everywhere I go. It has my to-do list in it. But I also will just jot down drawing ideas. And they come, yeah. No, I'm, this, I'm the same in some way. I'm a little bit addicted to my oh, yeah? passion planner. That that's it's a cool. game changer. Because, okay. oh, it's a, it's a planner. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, there's something yeah. about physically writing things down. Um, and this one specifically helps you plan out your goals and then break them down. We'll, we, we'll talk about a post show. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things where the physical act of writing mm-hmm. things, you remember things yeah. so much more than if you type them. Um, and you know, in terms of creating and, and writing and drawing and the physicality of it, I think it, there is a human element to it that we miss in the land of typing and computers and Wi-Fi and social media and graphics and, um, you know, all those yeah. beautiful quote yeah. graphics. And they're beautiful and they're inspiring. But, and that's the kind of stuff that I used to do, actually. I did a lot of that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. To me, there's something I don't think I could recreate what I do um, if I were sitting in a computer um, and I love working with watercolor because it's messy. I love working with, um, you know, pen and paper because you kind of get one shot at it. Actually, when I first started drawing, I would draw on pen and paper, you know, do it do it all on, on a sheet of paper. But then I would scan it in and then I would go into Photoshop and I would start moving this word around and, oh, this was a little imperfect and so I would kind of go in and start doctoring my images and this was like very very early on the very first few um that I did and I just realized that you know all I'm doing is kind of creating a space for me to be really obsessive compulsive about my art yeah to drive myself nuts. to drive like, yourself nuts yeah, yeah <laughs> you were saying that exhausting. I was like oh, oh that sounds like <laughs> it sounds exhausting yeah and, and, you know, as an artist, there is this thing, right? I mean, we all have it where there is, there's the moment which is perfect. And then there's also right. this unattainable idea right. of perfect that does not exist. And, and I think it bothered me a lot at first, actually. And especially coming from a graphic design background where you can tweak and doctor and whatever, alter everything in InDesign or Photoshop or Illustrator, you know, to, to your heart's content. But, um... And I would feel like, oh, my art is somehow less than if there's something that I can look at on the page and say, oh, this didn't come out exactly the way that I expected it to. It's not as good. Like, it's not as good as it could have been. And the thing about it is, is like that, what, what, what does that mean for something for my art to be better than it could like, right? Like what, what's the perfection? What does it look like? What does perfect look like? What am I trying to achieve? 
Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So I actually, I had to let go of that. And I will say that I don't think anything I ever draw ever comes out exactly as I pictured it, you know, um, but I love that. And I will show friends and say, can you see where I messed this up? And nobody can know, you know, nobody can. Yeah. Exactly. No one knows. It's all in our own heads. And it's the same, you know, it's the same with all of my creative projects, with the cartoons, with the music, with, with all of it. You know, I think it's, it's one of those things where we have this idea that everyone can see our insides right. and see our thought process. And, you know, no one's going to notice the thing that, that, that you feel like is ruining the project. I mean, obviously, unless sure. it's like a giant thing. Um, but part of, you know, I think part of that process and part of creativity yeah. is to let go right. of that and then also to refine the work, right? Like your work, my right. work, it's, it all changes over time. And holding on to what anything is for a long period of time, I think, prohibits us right, from right I totally agree I totally it. agree and I mean I, I started using watercolor and there's just something magic about it because it's kind of unpredictable and I mess up all the time you know I start to apply a new color where the old one hasn't quite dried and then it runs together and I mean inevitably even after doing this for some time I'll just say oh shit you know oh I, that shouldn't have happened I didn't mean for that to happen you know what who cares like at the end it, it all blends it's beautiful um, and it gives a cool effect that I didn't intend. And, uh, you know, it's been a really good, um, it's been a really good practice for me in letting go of perfectionism and realizing, you know, I don't have to be perfect. This, this, it has a life of its own. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I love what you say about making things mm -hmm. just for ourselves, because sometimes it really allows us to embrace the yes. process of it a little bit more, right? We don't have to try and explain it. Um, and I think when we release art, you know, there is that letting go of any kind of expectation about it, but also when we're making something for ourselves, maybe yeah. we will share it later. Maybe we won't, who knows, but there's that feeling of, I can completely yeah. yes. let the weird out. I can get wild. Um, I can see what comes out mm -hmm. and yeah. I'm in a safe space And I think that's really important. It. And it, it's taken me a long time to learn to kind of give myself that, that safe space, but Absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a human <laughs> yes, long, long process. Yeah. And I think it's also, yeah, it's like a pendulum also, you know, some days before we started recording, I was telling Tori, you know, some days I'm like amazing. I'm like, I'm smashing my goals. And, 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 you know, like later <laughs> even that day, I'll be like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> so, yes. you know, I think it is that, that pendulum and balance. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with Tori Press, revelatory, amazing artist and inspiration. I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about Camp Clarity and give you some details. It's pretty much the most awesome week in Bali. Adventures, water temples, cooking classes with amazing workshops and deep work for women to get the resources, tools, community, and support to move forward in our lives the way that we want. Sharing and really all leveling up. So it's a pretty awesome experience. If you feel called to come, check it out at www.joincampclarity.com. That's join, J-O-I-N-C-A-M-P, clarity, C-L-A-R-I-T-Y.com if you feel like it's something for you. 
So all the details are there, and it's just an awesome week for women in Bali. All right, humans, we are back with Tori Press, better known as Revelatory, who is an artist and inspiration, drawing incredible cartoons, drawings on Instagram. Um, And before the break, we were talking about heaps of stuff, creative process, um, her journey in terms of vertebrae paleontology, (laughs) graphic design, coming into your own as an artist, and what success looks like. Uh, Now, Tori, you started running workshops as well. Yeah, I actually um, just had my first workshop in Oswego, Illinois. Um, I traveled to Chicago. It's just outside of Chicago. And I had this amazing group of women. Um, uh, About half of them were there with a yoga teacher training, and then half of them signed up for the workshop independently. And we talked about using art as a mindfulness practice. Um, A lot of them were mental health professionals, so we talked about... Um, how art is accessible to everybody. Everybody is an artist. Anyone can make art, and art is really there as a tool in your mindfulness toolbox to help you with whatever it is that you might be going through, help you gain more insights into your life, help you work through your problems, help you see yourself and discover your authentic self a little more clearly, Um, you know, and the list goes on. So it really was an amazing time. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, as someone who had to embrace their creative path, because it felt like I wasn't breathing when I didn't, um, I get it from a lot of people. And I'm sure you probably get it too. Maybe let me know. Um, where people say, Oh, I wish I could draw. Yes. Yeah. I wish I could, I I wish I had talent and, and literally I'm like, have you people, I tell people, you know, Oh, I did this cartoon thing and I drew a cartoon every day for a thousand days. And they're like, Oh, I wish I could draw. I'm like, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen my drawings? Like it's, you know, it's just one of those things where we, we get in our own way about that. So the, the workshop was really cool. The very first exercise that we kind of all did as a group is it was a round Robin, um, kind of drawing exercise. And so I, I divided the group into, or the room, you know, into two, two groups and everybody got a minute to draw something on their piece of paper. And then they had to pass it to the next person and the next person drew something. And we just kept passing it around until it had made the full round of everybody in your group. And you were back to getting your own original paper. And, um, you know, there were two cool things actually about maybe three or four minutes into the exercise, I had one person say, a minute is just not enough time to get my drawing perfect. And then she looked at me and she goes, oh, I think maybe I've discovered the point of the exercise. And I said, yeah, that's, that's one of the points, right? Like we're not here to be perfect. We're just here to be and to express ourselves. Um, and then the other cool thing that happened is everybody realized that, that um, they had no negative thoughts. They had no judgments. They had nothing unkind um, to say about anybody else's work on their paper or on any page that got passed to them. The only negative judgments that people had were about their own work. And I said, huh, does that make you, you know, kind of rethink this, I'm not an artist, I can't draw sort of mentality that that pretty much everybody walks around with. Um, and uh, so that was really cool. You know, there's a lot of barriers. We all have a lot of barriers. And um, I think that, I mean, I could go on for another hour, but um, society kind of educates us out of our natural creativity. I think, um, I think it's something that, that happens to a lot of people. Right. And, uh, it's there Man, anybody can create anybody's an artist. 
Um, if you have something to express, you can you can express it with art, whether your art is drawing or painting or sculpting or making a garden or arranging flowers or music, um, you know, it goes on. Absolutely. And, you know, I think here at Stay Wild and, and me personally, I've always um, instituted the idea that art is human expression. Creativity yes. is human expression. Art is the pro- product of it. Um, and when we tell ourselves we can't be creative or when we hold back or suppress expression, it's like holding back a sneeze, you know, like it's not going to end well. <laughs> right. 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 And so I, right. I think it's amazing that you embrace that um, and help others as well to share that. So yeah, you've been sharing your drawings for how long now? A couple of years. A couple of years. Yeah. And you have quite a bit of a body of work at this point. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple hundred drawings on Instagram and then a couple of notebooks of, of drawings that I haven't shown the public that are just for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Amazing. And so what do you see for your work moving forward? Um, well, you know, I'd love to, to, it's been, it's been amazing. I mean, the, the human, the connective power of art, what I've learned about myself, what I've learned about other people, um, yeah. and how I've connected with other people has just been amazing. Um, so I would really love to, kind of cast a wider net. Um, I would love to, to reach even more people. Um, so I'm trying to explore different ways to do that. Um, doing the workshop is, is one. Um, and I've thought about maybe the possibility of writing a book in the future. So, um, that's something I'd like to do. Yeah, I have, I have uh, both of my kids are going to be in school full time. So I have a little bit more time um, to explore some of these ideas. Absolutely. And I think it's so amazing that once, you know, once we find that thing within ourselves where we're like, yes, you know, like I'm vulnerable and I'm putting it out there and then we do, and we realize we're not alone. There comes this point where, yeah, our art is always an expression that we are, um, you know, lucky enough or divinely guided enough to channel and to bring into the world. But sometimes yeah. it's not about us at that point, right? You reach a point where your art <laughs> is no longer entirely about you. No. And, yeah. And I love that, you know, Instagram and other platforms and your workshops are, are not only just enabling other people to connect with that, but also to empower them to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I really love to, I mean, I, I kind of, I want everybody, I, I would love for more people to feel empowered and feel like this is a tool. This is something that you can use. You can do it. Um, you don't have to be special. You don't have to be a highly creative person since birth. Um, you know, you don't have to be the next Picasso, right? Like, yeah. and I you, think that you that's a myth. Being a creative person yeah. is a myth. Oh my gosh. It really is. And, and I really think that Um, you know, anybody who has, like you said, it's creative expression. If you have something inside yourself, if you have an opinion, if you have a thought, if you have an experience, like art is a tool that you can use to express it, to work through it. Um, and I would really love for more people to feel, you know, I, I feel like, um, I missed a lot of years of my life where I could have been doing this, where I could have been expressing myself in this way. Um, and, uh, so I'd really love to be able to give that gift to more people because it's truly been a gift in my life. Absolutely. Well, Tori Press, thank you for coming on Stay Wild. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure, Norma Jean. I'm so excited. I finally got a chance to talk to you in person after, you know, so many years of following each other and admiring each other's work on Instagram. I know we've been Insta friends for, (laughs) for so long. Yes, we have. Amazing. Thanks, Tori.
All right, humans, big thanks to Tori Press for coming on the show, sharing her journey, talking all about her drawings and illustrations. You can see them at revelatory, R-E-V-E-L-A-T-O-R-Y.com or at revelatory on Instagram. As usual, if you're liking the show, subscribe and all the places. And if you're feeling like coming to Bali for the most epic week we could think of, come for Camp Clarity. It's an incredible week for women where we dive into yoga, meditation, living your best life, goals, how to time your life with the moon cycle, sound healing, water temples, and so much more. Check out the February and April dates at www.joincampclarity.com. And until next time, little humans, stay wild. So we keep on keeping on.